You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Crew, this is Mark Hatmaker coming to you from the Comancheria. Title today's lecture is Hell Ships, Hand to Hand and Hard Up. Well, this is vocabulary from the uh, days of sail of the early 20th century. So we will be telling a few tales from the fighting days of sail. Our tales will come a bit later than the usual master and commander Napoleonic battles and also a wee bit later in the buccaneer days in the Caribbean. Uh, these two periods of nautical mayhem overlap to some degree and have much to contribute to our modern understanding of war at sea. Well, that's another day. We want to jump forward in our timeline just a bit and have a look at some aspects of violence aboard sailing vessels from approximately 1800 on to the 1920s when we see the last of the windjammers. Uh, still plying their trade on the seven seas. We will not be speaking of military vessels or pirate ships. Uh, one expects to find tips and tactics and matters of violence in these two cases. Instead, we will focus on private ships of commerce, vessels that were charged to move cargo from destination A to destination B as quickly and efficiently as possible. We want to have a look at these for a bit of the melee wisdom that has spawned on these purportedly peaceful vessels. Uh, clearly, our focus is violence. Hell, it's the Rough and Tumble Rack and Tour podcast, right? Now, first, we must acknowledge that just because uh, these were commercial vessels and not under the threat of military attack, of course, pirate boarding was always a threat, uh, life was not easy-peasy, you know, even without violence on it. Windjammers traveling via acres of sail, handling canvas that size, dealing with the standing and running rigging, that's ropes to the landlubbers out there, that must be eased and hauled and tuned to every change in the wind. This is no easy task, and I can attest to this. I mean, I, I learned to sail, uh, well, specifically for this. I mean, I mean you know, history is meant to be lived, and, you know, give it a shot to uh, get a better understanding of uh, some of these tactics. That's what, you know, sparked my interest into it and to go for it. So those who have even sailed small boats can attest vigilance and diligence are the watchwords, and a well-set sail has a beguiling power to propel both the boat and the spirit. An inattentive helmsman or a mistake at adjusting sail for conditions, that same beguiling power that moved the boat can become big, big trouble fast. Now, we also add to that that the early sailing vessels were wooden, oh, and always leaky, always deteriorating, always in need of maintenance. A poorly maintained boat in the middle of the ocean with no hardware stored to send out for supplies soon becomes a sinking ship. At sea, there is no safe harbor. A boat must survive gale winds via skill and cooperation. Now, words seldom, if they ever do, capture a proper picture of actualities of anything. But this description of wind and rigging and high wind while at sea by WLA Derby comes as close as it gets. This isn't fiction. This is a man just writing uh, from a journal. Uh, before we get there, uh, diapason, I had to look it up myself, diapason is a large organ stop. So imagine, uh, he's just, just discussing here the sounds that you're getting there. And if you've been on a small boat, just even a small boat, I mean, with the, the winds just getting a shriek through the cable, and, and the rigging and everything clanging and clattering. It's, it's pretty astonishing. So this is a larger vessel he's talking about. And again, when we get to that word diapase, it's a large, booming organ. So, Mr. Derby's words, quote, 
The tautness and power of a steel and wire top hamper will combine in bad weather to produce a diapason such as nowhere can be heard except aboard a big heavy laden sailor. She becomes, as it were, a giant organ played by the heavy hands of wind and sea. Powerful gusts pluck at the tensed shrouds and straining backstays like fingers at harp strings. Where some stays give forth a deep booming note, others hum wildly like tele- telegraph wires under stress. Halyards twang like ban- banjo gun, and a continuous and plaintive moaning comes from the rigging screws. The gale roars through the slacker running rigging uh, whose heavy blocks beat a mad tattoo against the steel spars. As she rolls scuppers under, the steel wash ports clang to and fro, and all the while the great seas break alongside a crash aboard to swirl from poop to foxhole, battering at the deckhouse doors and striving to wrench off the hatch tarpaulins. Every strake and frame of the laboring hull groans with her travail. Under the thunder of wet storm canvas and the staccato patter of squalls of driven hail add to that almost indescribable cacophony, the song of driven sail, unquote. Now, that's a bit of poetry you don't expect from uh, some uh, blue-collar person on the boat, but uh, again, it, words don't describe it. Uh, Sometimes just to pull up a sound file of hearing wind through uh, rigging, it's astonishing, and you add this, the visceral sensation of standing on the something is pitching and heaving and healing. Now, men climbed rigging in pitching, heaving, rolling seas in heavy wind to fight with acres of canvas. They stood on precariously swaying top ropes, observing the wise sailing axiom, axiom of one hand for you, one hand for the boat. That means to always keep your grip on something where you can. But oftentimes, conditions were so wicked you had to trust a balance in the face, particularly with wind-pressed sails or sails encrusted with ice, to grab canvas with two hands from this perch and do what had to be done. Now, keep in mind, if uh, you've not sailed, wind is uh, beguiling. I mean, a mere breeze of 12 miles per hour on land. Uh, it, it does, it's, it's gusty. It, it feels like something. But once you get out there in the, the fetch of the open sea with nothing to uh, barricade it and block it, that 12 miles per hour becomes something much more. And so 12, which might feel low like a just nice gusty day uh, to most of us, really changes and uh, most time the winds are much higher than that so and also keep in mind a mere breeze of 12 miles per hour of true wind becomes multiplied when you sail true wind is what you experience on land or in a stock steel boat apparent wind is what you experience when under sail it is a magnification of the true wind plus the accelerating forces of the vessel itself and has an unexpected force even at low miles per hour now, sailors speak of and wrote of in their early journals of every climb along the rigging to get aloft was a struggle as they were pressed flat into the rough hemp or cable. That led to another rule of the boat. Always climb on the windward side. It is possible, uh, if possible, you always move on the windward side. Even at deck level, being pitched off a healing boat is far easier than one imagines, all right? The, the wind, it will just catch you flat-footed and you're gone. Now, we could go on and on about this daily life at sea that created these non-military sailors. We do see that this rough-and-tumble life also fostered a bit of rough-and-tumble extracurricular activity. But first, uh, another definition. Well, actually, two more definitions. Hell ships and proud ships. Now, proud ships were vessels that were well-maintained, skippered by a temperate, experienced men. And if you accrued one of these, you knew you were going to work hard, but you knew the vessel was sound and the man on the quarterdeck was knowledgeable. Now, hell ships, well, these were the very opposite of proud ships, and they were seemingly far more of these than there were the former. Hell ships were always in a state of disrepair, either due to a bit of laziness in the skipper, the stinginess of the firm that owned the vessel, or just mere age. You know, wood and water under stress. Hell things happen. 
Now, the skippers themselves on these hell ships were often the dregs. They could be remarkably inexperienced, or perhaps they were alcoholics, or maybe just ineffectual men on land who became powerful martinets at sea, looking forward to exercising their power. Now, for a fictional representation of a hell ship, you might want to read Jack London's The Sea Wolf, uh, based on real experiences, or for reality, take a look at Richard Henry Dana's memoir titled Two Years Before the Mast. I mean, there are many, many more, but these are two extra, uh, excellent starts. Hell ships were poorly supplied. Rancid beef, mil, uh, mealy flour, and millers, just M-I-L-L-E-R-S, were often the only fare for a journey. And to know what a miller is, here it is. Millers were rats that were found in the hold, and they had fattened themselves in the flour supply. They were often whitened in appearance due to moving through the supply bags. They were often a preferred food source because at least they weren't rancid. Huh? Yeah, that's, that's hard living. So hard work under any condition was made well-nigh intolerable under these poor conditions. Add indifferent or out-and-out cruel command, and, well, uh, temperatures rose. We're talking about emotional temperatures. Now, these temperatures were often cooled in foxhole fights, and that is uh, foxhole to me and you. If you see the word forecastle, it's pronounced foxhole. So to me and you, a foxhole fight uh, is being the foxhole's the forward part of the ship below decks where the crew quartered. Foxhole fights were also known as hand-to-hand. I see there, sailors were known as hands, as in all hands on deck, hence a hand-to-hand fight was one-on-one. Now, these fights were at times boxing affairs, uh, fisticuffs only, but more often than not, they were rough and tumble with their own peculiar flavor, quite different from some of the landlubber fights. Now, there were men, these were men used to the pitching and rolling and yawing of ocean travel, under sail and observe good seamanship even here, and that's why I wanted to go ahead and present the idea of how hard it was and what you're going to use to environment that is never quite even keeled, as it were, for more sailing terms there, and it even affected uh, the, the, the fighting style. Where in land controlling the ring or ring generalship might mean holding the center and or maneuvering your opponent to a corner or a turnbuckle or a fence or a parked car. Uh, on deck, holding the high side or weather helm meant you held the high ground and had a balance advantage. Pillaring, P-I-L-L-A-R-I-N-G, this reforms to a combative form of one hand for you and one for the boat rule. It's a curious form of very practical support and striking. I mean, there's lots of uh, really interesting kicking and punching and elbowing and kneeing done where you're actually supporting on whatever object that could keep you with better balance and actually surprises a, uh, provides a bit more of a walloping power. A very surprising thing to do and quite practical for street work. And again, we do include, a, uh, we've got an upcoming unit coming in on the black box material. Now, fights may be hand-to-hand, but it did not always mean that hands or feet or biting or gouging were the only things at the disposal. Uh, more than a few involved weapons, uh, belaying pins, uh, monkey fist, uh, any form of knotted line with a load. I mean, look for our part two of our flexible weapons series. We'll get even deeper into this, how to tie these quick uh, monkey fist and other such uh, things where you can take anything you got around you, a power cord, a standard bit of line, and you, hell, you can take you know, uh, you know, hay line and just make it work for you. Uh, people often have used uh, uh, hammers, loggerheads, and of course hatchets and knives. Now a man was said to be, another sailing term here, hard up. It's not what we think of. A man was hard up if you wound up in a foxhole fight without a weapon and your opponent had surprised you with one. The vocabulary for mayhem here is deep in both word and tactic aboard these ships. It is one uh, spawned by the peculiar environment indigenous to the combatants. It is one uh, with more than a trick or two that we allow us landlubbers to fight off handsomely, which is a, another phrase from then, and to fight off or stand off handsomely means to fight well. And again, we'll cover these in a great deal of detail in the actual physical tactics in the black box, but today that was a nice little dip into the history and to look at uh, some of these badass hogs who uh, got our goods to us in the yearly days of yore. Take care.
Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, ExtremeSelfProtection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages if you like music. Thank you.